Well, welcome again to uh, Christ the King. We're glad that you're here. and um, I'm going to be reading a passage this morning. It's in your bulletin from Isaiah chapter 7. And in, in this passage is a, a very familiar prophecy, one that you hear every uh, uh, Christmas about the Virgin and uh, Emmanuel being with us and all of that. And what I'm going to do this morning is uh, I'm going to talk about that very briefly, but I'm going to try to give you the context. What was going on behind the scenes, the background of this particular scripture that uh, uh, makes it really, I think, even more meaningful, if possible, makes it even more meaningful than the way we traditionally use it at Christmas. And uh, that's my goal. I hope I'm able to do it. And, uh, and uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open them to this familiar passage in Isaiah 7. Uh, if you don't, the, the scripture's uh, there in front of you. Read this uh, with me and Uh, I'll read out loud and you all read along with me, uh, starting with uh, verse 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezan, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And say to him, Be careful, be quiet, Do not fear, and do not let your heart faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands as the fierce anger of reason and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised all kinds of evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of us. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is reason. And within sixty-five years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of, J- of, of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days 
as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, he will bring upon you the king of Assyria. This is the word of the Lord. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on here, and and hopefully it'll make some sense, uh, because I think when you take a prophecy like this one, very familiar, the virgin shall be with child and all that, and you pluck it out and you put it on a Christmas card, all of a sudden, it looks as though Isaiah is simply making a prediction to uh, Ahaz the king, predicting something that will happen generations in the future, uh, hundreds of years in the future. And that's not what was going on in the minds of these people. They weren't thinking about, okay, someday this virgin is going to have a baby and that's going to be God with us and all of that. That was not what was in their mind. Here's what was going on. Listen carefully, because this is, this is so contemporary that it's almost scary about what's going on in the Middle East today with all of the intrigue and countries going against each other and Syria and Iran and Iraq and, and uh, 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 Israel is involved and the United States and Russia and, you know, Turkey and everybody's all into this and this battleground is going on. Reason was the king of Syria and Pekah was the king of Israel. And these two nations, Syria and Israel, formed the northern part of uh, the land of Israel. And they were tributaries, they were paying tax to the king of Assyria, Tiglath-Pileser. And you can read, you don't have to read your Bible to find this out, they have been translating these clay tablets that they discovered through archaeology in uh, in, uh, Nineveh. Uh, And a lot of this history is there, only it's propagandized to make uh, everybody else the victor and uh, everybody else the loser. So the Assyrians would would write down the history and make it out like they won every battle. They never lost a battle, but of course they're under six feet of sand right now. It's kind of ironic, right? Okay, so anyway, these two kings, Syria and Israel, the king of Israel, Pekah, Uh, are tributaries to Assyria, but they don't like it. And Egypt is over here, and Egypt is telling us, you know, is putting it in their head. Why don't you form a coalition, and you go down and you take over Judah, and uh, if, if King Ahaz won't go along with you, overthrow him and put on the throne Tabil, uh, this puppet king, and then the three kingdoms, Israel, Judah, and Syria can form a coalition. It's called, uh, in uh, scholarly, you can look it up on the internet, Google, uh, the Syro-Ephraimite coalition. It's very interesting. And this, this coalition, the three kingdoms, uh, Egypt was, was kind of enticing them to go and set up a, a battle against Assyria to block the king of Assyria, very powerful, one of the most powerful nations uh, that had ever existed on the earth up to that time, prevent them from coming and, and messing with Egypt. So the buffer was going to be these three little kingdoms, and that was what was going on. God, in the middle of all this, goes and speaks to his prophet, Isaiah. And God tells Isaiah, go and meet Ahaz, take your son, share Jashub with you, and go meet Ahaz the king while he's down here inspecting the waterways because Ahaz was getting the city of Jerusalem ready. In fact, you can go there today and you can see these these immense waterworks that he and Hezekiah and some of the other kings built because when the city was besieged, they had no water. 
And they created these ingenious aqueducts underneath the ground. You can actually take tours through them and see where they brought water into the city, fresh water from springs, in order to survive. It's fascinating. So Ahaz is out there with his, with his high-powered team, his cabinet members, and he's there and he's inspecting the waterworks, and here comes the prophet. And the prophet comes up and he tells him uh, this what we call a prophecy. We think a prophecy is a predicting the future, but in the Bible, prophecies rarely predicted future events. Prophecies explained what was, gonna, what was going on and what would happen if you would trust the Lord. And so we're going to look at three things. I'll give them to you quickly and we'll go through it quickly because I know today's Christmas and we all want to get home with our families. Three things. Let's look at the challenge of faith because what Isaiah tells Ahaz is if you don't stand by faith, you won't stand at all. If you don't stand by faith, you won't stand at all. And that word hangs out there for all of us. If we don't believe in something, and let me tell you all something very plain. Whether you believe in God or not doesn't matter. You're believing in something. Right now, you believe that every person on the face of the earth has their faith and their trust in something today. It's either in themselves, it's maybe it's in their good looks, maybe it's in their money, maybe it's the facts that the Republicans are now in power. Oh, thank God we're all saved. We got rid of the, the evil Democrats, right? We'll just wait for another four years and see who the evil's next, right? We, we have these things that we put our faith in. Money, looks, approval, power. Do I have power? Do I have a good education? Is that going to do? It's not that there's anything wrong with these things, but when you put your faith and your trust in them, that thing, whatever it is, begins to define you. And so there's a challenge of faith. Secondly, the battle of faith. The challenge of faith is what the world around us is saying to us, our culture, even ourselves. I tell myself every Sunday, you know, if I preach a really good sermon, if I could just get up there and, and make everybody's hair catch on fire, then the church would be full and there would be no seats, people would be standing. And look what happens. You see, if I put my faith in that, in my abilities or in my strength or my power, it'll fail me. So there's the challenge of faith. What our voices are saying to us or what other people are telling you, especially if you're a young person, you know, uh, your peers at school are telling you you got to look like this, you got to talk like this, you got to act like this, you got to do this, 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 this. Well, they're defining you. You're not defining yourself. And at work, same thing. Then there's the battle of faith. What does God say? What does His voice say? And then finally, we'll look at the promise of faith. And so let me... Let me do this quickly. The challenge of faith, what they say. This word came to uh, Ahaz through the network. They, there was, they had spies. They had the CIA and the KGB and all these agencies, even back then. And they're all talking to each other and they're, they're spying on one another. And Ahaz hears through this spy network through this network of rumor and uh, CNN and whatever was around in those days, he hears that these two kingdoms are going to make a play for his kingdom. And they're going to demand that he either join their coalition or they're going to overthrow him and put up this puppet king so that these three kingdoms can be united against the kingdom 
of Assyria. That's what he's hearing. And the challenge of faith, folks, listen to me very carefully. The, char- the challenge of faith is generally on two fronts. One is that we're dealing, very often we're dealing with phantoms, things that don't even exist yet. They're not even real. And they're things like, well, what if? You know, what if I, uh, I don't get this job? Or what if uh, this person that, that I like uh, in school doesn't like me back? Uh, what if this other person over here starts saying these things? What if I don't make the football team? What if I don't get this job? What if I don't want to get married? What if nobody ever falls in love with me? What if I don't make enough money this next year to pay my bills? What if, what if? These are phantoms. These are out here. And, and, and we, we tend to, the challenge of faith is that we listen to those phantoms and they, we let them control us and move us around and often terrify us beyond belief. Every time my boys would get in the car in Florida, we lived in Orlando and it was nuts in Orlando. And of course, they both got their driver's license in Orlando. And so off they would go. What do you think I thought was going to happen to them, parents, every time they left the house? There was going to be massive pile-ups and wrecks, and every car in Orlando, Florida, was going to be on top of their little car. And they were going to be underneath, you know, and it was going to be horrible, right, every time. And that was nothing compared to what Marty V thought. She really worried. So we were, you know, we had these phantoms and we have to fight that and, and battle those imaginations. It hadn't happened yet. In fact, one of the, the, the I've told you, Marty V and I had to have marital counseling and probably don't want to believe that, but we did. And thank God we did. But one of the counselors told us, uh, it, you know, we often in marriage, we fight about things that aren't even anything. And one of the counselors told Marty V, it's, it's nothing until it's something. Isn't that brilliant? It's nothing until it's something. And often we're arguing and fighting and our whole lives are being twisted into pretzels over things that haven't even happened yet. Then there's this other challenge to our faith, and that's reality. That's what Ahaz was dealing with. He wasn't dealing with rumor and innuendo. They knew for a fact that these two kings, in fact, they were there, they were on their way, they were getting ready to besiege Jerusalem and Ahaz is making preparations. They're dealing with reality. Well, then what? What do you do then when you're actually having to deal with reality and your faith is being uh, challenged? Where, where will you turn when the doctor says you have cancer? Or you look at your checkbook, like I've said many times, you look at your checkbook, hey, there's no money in there. And you look up at God and you say, have you looked at the calendar yet? Do you know what's going on? You know, and your faith is under challenge. It's, it's being challenged by what really is. Maybe things are not going the way you think they ought to go. And you know what is, I think what is somewhat distressing about believing in God and even being a Christian. And I'll just be very honest, small group of us here today, I'll be very very transparent with you. Sometimes, I don't really, you know, what I want is for God to change my circumstances. Okay? My faith is being challenged, and what I want Him to do is change my circumstances. Fix the problem. And you know, a lot of times He doesn't do that, does He? In fact, many of you that, I, that I've talked to privately and we've talked about maybe a situation, you know what I've told you because I've had to tell myself the same thing and that is 
He may not change these circumstances. We may pray for this, and we'll pray with all our heart that He'll do this. But if He doesn't, what do we do? So there's what these voices are saying. That's the challenge to our faith. Circumstances, reality, sometimes phantoms, but all this stuff's coming at us and is challenging our lives, challenging what we believe, and challenging how we will react and what we will do. Then there's the battle of faith. That's uh, verses 4 and 7 through 9. Here's what God says. He comes to Ahaz and He tells Ahaz, here's what you must do. And believe me, these words are for us as well. Here's what you must do. Your faith is being challenged. Here's where the battle lies. Not only for me, folks, but for all of you. I know. We all struggle in this same spot. And here's what he tells him. Listen to this. It's amazing. Be careful. Keep calm. Do not be afraid. Don't lose heart. And then he really disses these two kings. It's it's really funny. I mean, we think the Bible is all sweet and nice. God is rough. He's a rough character. And so here's what he says. Don't be afraid because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. He's saying, you know what these two guys are like? These two kings that are making all these big brags and claims. They're going to come take over the kingdom and, and they're going to overthrow my king and they're going to put in some other puppet king. He says, they're nothing more than a couple of little stubs of firewood that are just barely, they're just on the edge of going out. Have you ever seen a fire? You know how the last little piece of wood is burning. It doesn't even have a flame. It's just kind of embers going out. He's really using some very powerful imagery here to really diss these guys, to just knock them down. He says, they're nothing. They're smoldering brands. Later on, he says, they're just, you know, this one over here, he's just the king of Damascus. What's Damascus? I rule the world, God is saying. What is this king over here? You know, when he talks about Pekah, son of Remaliah, he never even mentions his name. He just says, son of Remaliah. In the, in the Near East, that was the way you really disrespected somebody. You didn't call them by their name. He's nobody. You want to know who he is? He's nobody. He's just the son of Remaliah. God is really, he's really pushing back hard. And he's telling Ahaz, don't be afraid, be careful, stand firm, stand fast. The psalmist in Psalm 118, many of you know this scripture, the Lord is with me. What can man do to me? Listen, how practical is that, folks? Do you imagine when when you're being challenged, when you're fighting this battle in your mind, trying to figure out what should I do? And we, we are so worried about what everybody thinks about us and opinions and we need everybody's approval and I want this job and I want that thing and, you know, on and on and on. What if we just stepped back for a second and said, what can man do to me? Nothing can hurt me. I'm completely safe. I'm okay. I don't have to be afraid. Even if they kill me, you know, I've told you week by week, the Apostle Paul said, whether I live or whether I die, I'm okay. You see, death for the Christian is stepping from chaos into beauty and glory. It's not just going into a grave and rotting in the earth. It's actually stepping into glory. And if you live, if you survive and you continue to live, 
You have glory ahead of you because someday you will die and you still get to go to glory. You see, you cannot lose. It's like being told, I had a professor in, in seminary. His name was Steve Brown. Some of you know who Dr. Brown is. Steve Brown, at the beginning of the school year, I had many classes with him over three years. We would all come into class and he would say, okay, men and women, gentlemen, ladies, everybody gets an A. Just telling you right now, you all get an A. As long as you don't make me mad. This year, as long as you don't tick, you would say, as long as you don't tick me off, you will all get an A. And here's how you will tick me off. Don't come to class. Don't do your work. He says, don't worry about your test grades. You get an A. But you do have to take the test and you have to try. Right? And the answers need to be reasonably close. But you get an A. So all the pressure's off. All the pressure's off. Now, what will you do? And it was really amazing. People wouldn't come to class. They wouldn't do their papers. And then they would get an F on their pen. They would come to Steve Brown and say, well, this isn't fair. Everybody else got an A. <laughs> God gave His Word. He said, I will be with you. What do you have to fear? Yeah, I've removed all the fear. Are the fears there? Yes. Are they real? Yes. But what has he said over against it? He said, I'll be with you. Will you trust me? That's why, folks, every Sunday I tell people in this church at Christ the King, don't, when you hear the message that God loves you and he wants to come into your life and do something good for you, don't go home and say, okay, I, what I need to do is kind of clean myself up a little bit and then... I'll be acceptable. He's already said you get an A. I just want you to come so I can be with you. You get an A. It's been done for you. Will you trust me? Will you put your life in my hands? Life and death. Will you do it? I don't want you to clean up your mess. Bring your mess. You can't fix your mess. You still have your mess. That's why you have a mess is because you have it. Come to me, I will deal with you and your mess. And if you think he's going to take things away from you, you got Christianity all wrong. He's not going to take anything away. In fact, he gives and gives. He gives so much, it's crazy. What will you do? The challenge of faith. Where's the battle? The battle is, will you listen? Will you trust him? Here's what he says, verse 7 through 9. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. He just tells Ahaz outright, straight up. You know, sometimes I'd like God to just tell me what he's doing. Very rarely that happens. But he comes to Ahaz and he just tells him, straight up. Here's what's going to happen. It will not take place. It will not happen. The head of Aram is Damascus. The head of Damascus is only reason. He's saying, this guy is nothing. He's only reason. And within 65 years, now he's going to predict the future. Wow, this is really... And that doesn't happen all the time in the Bible. We think it happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim, Samaria. The head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand by faith, you will not stand at all. Look, we're all believing in something. And the whole story of Christianity is Jesus comes into this world. He is born a baby, born in a manger. And the story progresses from that point. He is with us. He is among us. Will you trust Him with your life? That is it. That's the whole Bible in a nutshell. Will you trust Him? 
Will you put your life in His hands? Not just once, not in conversion, you know, theology where you just get saved and put everything in His hands. Okay, it's alright now. No, every day. Every minute of every day. Every second sometimes. There are days, and I'm a professional holy person. Uh, you know, I have, I'm sure you all can, can you see the halo? No? What's wrong with you? It's right there. It's holy up there. The rest of me is a mess. But I'm no, no, I mean, think about it. Come on. He's saying, I will be with you. You can trust me in every part of your life, every minute of the day. And there are times of the day, I, folks, I go through that cycle every day of looking at myself, looking at my sin, looking at my circumstances, and then trusting Him over and over and over. Believing the gospel. You don't just believe the gospel and get into Christianity. You believe the gospel, you get into Christianity, and then you believe the gospel every day the rest of your life. And the last gasp of breath out of our lungs before we die should be, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. Your circumstances may be lousy, but I trust you. That's the gospel. That's where the battle lies. Will you trust me? And that's exactly what Jesus did when he was in his earthly ministry. You know, he would go around and he would say things to people like, uh, blind people would come and say, heal my blindness. And Jesus would say this. Listen, folks. He would say, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, if we accent that sentence, do you believe that I am able to do this? Guess where most people put the accent. Here's how, they, how we say it to ourselves. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Are you with me? That's how we hear it. Do you believe that I am able to do this? So it puts all the pressure on me. Oh my God, I gotta believe, I gotta believe, I gotta believe. Now, you know, we're really trying to believe hard. I gotta believe really, really hard. But if you carefully read these accounts, do you know where the accent really is? Jesus is saying this Do you believe that I am able to do this? You see, there were, magi there were magicians and magic workers and healers on every corner. Just like if you go to the ancient Near East today, if you go to India today, there are all these holy people everywhere and they'll do all kinds of crazy stuff. You ask them if you believe. But you have to believe. You have to have faith. You gotta, it's all the pressure is on you. And so if, if that's all it is, then folks, it's all up to you. Have a good day. Now go home. What kind of good news is that? But the good news is where God puts the accent. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Faith is about who you're putting your trust in. That's exactly what he's telling Ahaz. Our encounter with God, listen to this, our encounter with God begins with the faith that He initiates. No man comes to me unless the Father calls Him. He initiates that faith in us. And that permanently, forevermore, changes your life and your relationship with Almighty God. In other words, from then on, you are to trust Him. See, you're already trusting lots of things. Yeah, I've already told you that. We trust all kinds of... We put our faith in all kinds of things. But you can believe that, 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 a, 
the, the trunk of a tree will save you. And you can believe as hard as you want and as strongly as you want. And the trunk of that tree is eventually going to turn into nothing more than a smoldering piece of wood. Right? You can believe as hard as you want. But put your faith in God Almighty and all of a sudden that weak and meagerly, sometimes very pathetic, I have to say that's sometimes my faith, you, you put your just the littlest bit of faith in that object and all of a sudden your little faith takes on the strength of that whole object. And that object is nothing less. God is saying, trust me. He's telling Ahaz, trust me. We must trust Him. Not, listen, not with perfect lives or perfect faith, but continuing faith. In other words, you don't give up. When trouble comes, circumstances come, they're, they're bad, they battle, they cause... You, don't, you stay, you stick. You stay tight. You draw close to God. Even when you mess up, especially, I would say, especially when you mess up, draw close to Him. And finally, the promise of faith. God was very gracious. You know, He sees Ahaz is struggling. He's got this this idea in his mind. And here's what actually happens in history. I'll just tell you what happens. Ahaz had already had it in his head. What I will do is I'll jump past reason and I'll jump past Pekah, the son of Remaliah, and I'll go straight to the king, Tiglath-Pileser III. I'll go to the headman himself and I'll make an alliance with Assyria and they'll protect me. I know I can't go to Egypt because they're bad guys over there too. So what I'll do, instead of joining the Syria for my coalition, instead of joining these bad guys, I'll go to, I'll go to Assyria, the king of Nineveh, Tiglath-Pileser. I'll make an alliance with him. And guess what he does? He does it. He makes an alliance with Tiglath-Pileser. And guess what Tiglath-Pileser does in return? He goes to Damascus and has reason assassinated and then he invades Israel and starts carrying away in the first captivity what they think was the first captivity the people of Israel northern northern part of Israel into captivity and Judah is saved the king Ahaz the brilliant politician the brilliant military leader empties his treasury he went into the treasury house of God into the temple and he stripped it down to the doorposts, took the gold out of the temple, God's house, and paid a pagan king to come and rescue him. Isaiah knows he's thinking about, Isaiah knows he's tempted to do that. So Isaiah tells him, don't do it. Be careful. Do not fear. Stand fast. If you don't stand by faith, you won't stand at all. And he sees Ahaz wobbly, getting a little wobbly, right? Do you ever wobble in your faith? I do. (laughs) Okay, he's getting a little wobbly. I'll give you a sign. And here's what will happen. A maiden, a virgin, will have a child. And before that child is weaned, I will destroy these two kingdoms. That's what he's telling He's not telling him about something that happens centuries later. He's telling them that this child's birth, and what scholars think was that it was Isaiah's uh, 
child by a second wife, a maiden at the time of virgin. And he's, telling, he's giving him a sign. He's saying, and actually a, Isaiah does this throughout his prophecy. He uses his children and their names as signs to the king. And what he's telling King Ahaz is this. We're going to have a baby. And before this baby is three years old, before it's weaned, I'm going to destroy these kingdoms. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? And you know what Ahaz does? He becomes very pious and very religious. And he says, no, you know, I don't want to put, I don't want to put you to a test. He'd already made up his mind what he was going to do. I'm going to trust the king of Assyria, not you. And this is why Isaiah tells him, will you try the patience of God? Are you so crazy that you're going to try the patience of Almighty God? And then he goes on and tells him that his kingdom will become enslaved and his kingdom someday will also be carried away into captivity, which is exactly what happened. Now, now that you know the background, jump forward. Centuries later, Matthew is sitting down at a table and he's got his pen and his ink and he's writing the story of Jesus. And he says, you remember, he's writing to people that knew this story. They knew it very well and they were living in, in the tattered remains of those great kingdoms because their kings would not trust the Lord. And now they had another occupying army. The Romans were there and they were ruling the land and, and, and they were under the thrall, under the, the slavery of religious uh, 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 taskmasters, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, making them obey all these crazy rules and do all kinds of stuff. And Matthew writes and says, you remember that story? Well, this is Emmanuel. This is the real king. This is the true God with us. This baby in a manger who comes in weakness and poverty, he, he will conquer the Romans. He will destroy all our enemies. He will save us. And Jesus comes and he says, will you trust me? Will you believe in me? I will go. I will go into the battle for you. I will go into the battle as Dave prayed a moment ago as you. I will fight the giant Goliath. I will destroy Tiglath-Pileser. I will destroy Reason, Remelah. I'll get rid of everybody if you will trust me. And that's the question of Christmas, folks. Will you trust our Savior? Will you give your life to Him? Not just once, but every day. Trust Him with your life. How do you know? Because He gave His life for us on the cross. And we know that any king that would do that will never leave you, never forsake you. He's going to go all the way. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your grace and Your mercy this Christmas. Remembering our Lord Jesus Christ, whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. And I do pray, Holy Father, that all of us will remember that this day, this beautiful Christmas day, that we will remember Him. And as we come to Your table for Holy Communion, that we will taste and see that the Lord is good, that we will feed upon Him in our hearts by faith. Please, Father, help us, save us. Have mercy on us, I pray. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.